You're listening to audio from New Horizon Worship Center, located in Waco, Georgia. If you would like additional resources, please visit us online at www.NewHorizonWorshipCenter.org. If you turn it with me, we're going to start in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3. Today I want to talk to you about something that you can't buy, but you can earn. You can't see it, but you can feel it. You can give it, but you can't demand it. Anybody know what it is? Trust. Close. Yeah. And faith and trust can be interchangeable throughout Scripture. Everywhere we see faith and trust, it's, it's the same word. It's faith, trust. You can interchange it throughout Scripture. The words have the same meanings as faith or trust. <clears throat> so i got a question. What is a relationship without trust? Not a very good one. When I think about... Uh, I guess probably my, the closest relationship I have is my wife. Well, what type of relationship would that be if there was no trust there? From her side or my side or both side? And it's not a very good relationship. In fact, it's a relationship that needs some work. And we need to figure something out. If I want this to be a good relationship, we need to trust each other. Whether I'm talking about my wife or a friend or whatever. When we're talking about our relationship with God... There should be some trust there. But as Christians, you notice, I'm sure you've probably said it or you've heard people say, you know, things like, I'm having a hard time trusting God right now. It's hard to trust Him, hard to hold on. Well, I picture God up there going, what? Are you kidding me? Like I saw him just saying, I've never failed you before. I've worked everything that you've been through. I worked it together for your good. And, and you're having a hard time trusting me. I hope that as I grow in my relationship with God and as I mature spiritually, that I trust, that I, that I trust more and more. That I have more and more faith the older I get or the more mature I get. And God, that's how it should work. You should start to trust more and more. And... Sometimes you're going to live in the land of doubt and faith at the same time. Remember that guy that uh, he brought his son to Jesus to heal him. And Jesus said, do you believe? And he said, yes, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. It's like, yeah, I believe, but I don't believe either. I'm kind of both. So and you're going to have seasons in your life. You're going to go through hard times that are going to rock you and shake you. And, and so there are going to be times where you believe in and you don't believe at the same time. But overall, you should be growing and believing more and more and learning, trusting God more and more over the years. Five years from now, you should have more faith than you have right now. You should trust Him more than you do then than you do now. I don't said that kind of weird. Messed myself up. You get it. You understand what I'm saying. What if Jesse always said to me in our marriage, what if she always said to me, I don't trust you. I don't know if I trust you. How's that going to make me feel? As a husband, not too good. Well, I just don't know if I can trust you. Well, we say stuff like that to God. It would hurt me if somebody said it to me. And I'm not as good as God. Not quite. Okay, not even close. <laughs> Nowhere near it. You know God's kept his promises. Just like that song, that new song that Dylan sang. You kept your promises. You're good to your word. What if I told y'all, I'll make you a promise. Next Sunday, I'm going to preach the whole entire message in Spanish. So if you got any Spanish-speaking friends... You know any Mexican guys from work, whatever. Anybody that speaks Spanish, you bring them next week and I'm going to preach. I promise you, I'm going to preach the whole entire message in Spanish. 
And we put that out there on Facebook, and I tell you guys that. And then you show up next Sunday, and you got a whole entire row of all your Spanish-speaking buddies that have been looking for a good church, and you're so excited that your pastor's going to preach them a message in Spanish. And you all sit there, and we get finished with worship, and I stand up and say, uh, 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 hola, uh, uno, dos, tres, uh, Dios, uh, taco, um, okay, you're going to be pretty disappointed, they're going to be pretty disappointed, I'm going to make myself look kind of dumb, what happened, I wasn't prepared to do what I promised, just wasn't prepared. A promise is only as good as your ability to fulfill it. I mean, you can make promises all day long, but if you, I mean, I'm going to promise Keith, I, Keith, I promise you, I'm going to give you a million dollars after the service. Well, guess what? That ain't going to happen because I don't have a million dollars to give. I would if I had it, Keith. I promise. See what I mean? A promise is only as good as your ability to fulfill that promise. When we get married and we say our wedding vows, that, that's what that is. That's what the vows are, is promises. I promise, I'm, for better or worse, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to provide for you. Whatever those vows are that you say, those are promises. But what does your track record say? Because we can sit in here in service and make God all kind of promises, and we can come to camp and make God all kind of promises and stuff like that. But, but what does your track record say? Because God's track record looks pretty good. He's never failed me yet. Even in the times where I thought he left me, I can look back now and see how he was there and working it and used it in my life to get me to where I needed to go. He's never failed me, but my track record don't look as good. When I look back at my track record, I've failed sometimes. I've let people down before. What if I went to the bank tomorrow and I rolled into the bank and said, hey, I'd like to apply for a $1 million loan. I want to make some investments and start a business. It's okay. Step into our office. You know what the first thing they want? They're going to want some information on me. They're going to want my name and my social security number and my income and where I work. And they're going to get a whole bunch of information. They're going to sit there typing it into their computer. You know why? They're about to look at how many promises I've made in the past and how well I've done on that. How, they're going to look at my track record. And if I've made a whole bunch of promises in the past and I've done good on all those promises and always done what I said like God, then they may give me the million bucks. I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, they're not going to give me the million bucks. Because i got some promises in the past and some things where... I might not have been perfect. They're seeing how many promises I've made in the past. And if I did what I said I would do. I think some of us need to build our credit. How you do that? You start small. It's the little steps. It's doing what I need to do and paying this little bit. Even if it's a little bit at a time and and it's taking what you can get. Well, that's going to be a high interest rate on that one. We need it's take it small, take what you can get. I'm not talking about the bank anymore. I'm talking about spiritually and in relationships. Start working on that. Start building that trust, that faith. I think somebody in here today is in a huge moment of doubt in your life, and this message is God reminding you. I'm faithful. You can trust me. It's okay. I got this. That might be the only reason you came today is because you're doubting. And you came in here today to hear God say to you, I got it. It's okay. I've always been faithful and I'll always be faithful. Look at Proverbs 3. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not 
unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways. That word ways is a Hebrew word. It's translated ways, but it means path, route, journey, or way of life. In all of your ways, on your journey, in your way of life, the way you choose to live your life every day, in all of your ways, acknowledge Him. Acknowledge is also a Hebrew word, and it means to know, to recognize, or to understand. Recognize God on your journey. Recognize God in your life. Acknowledge Him. And He shall direct thy paths. If you look for Him. That's what it's telling us. Trust in Him. Look for Him. And He'll direct your path. Know Him. Recognize Him. It's easy to trust if you see Him. And you know Him, and you see who He really is, you'll see that He's trustworthy. But I can't see it. God, you want me to do what? If I can see it, then I'll believe it. God, if you just tell me how it's all going to work out, then I'll do it. Sometimes we get that attitude. God says, if you'll believe it, then you'll see it. Um, I don't know if any of you have ever seen an African Impala. And that's not a car. My sister's got an American Impala Chevrolet, but no, I'm talking about an animal. Maybe some of you have one for a pet. I don't know. But uh, it's like a little deer-looking animal, and they're not that big. They're, most of them, average about three feet tall. Look kind of like a deer, and they have big hollow antlers that have healing something tribes think they can use their antlers for some type of medicine and anyways they're just a cool little kind of deer looking animal but their backs are only you know about three feet tall they can jump 10 feet high so you think about a rim in like an nba game is 10 feet tall they can jump 10 feet high And in one jump, they can cover 30 feet. So it can go 10 feet high and jump 30 feet over. And at zoos and like wildlife reservations and stuff where they have these things, they keep them in a three-foot-tall fence, and they never get out. They never escape. They just dig a little moat on the other side and have a solid fence that they can't see through because... um, The African Impala, they will not jump if they can't see where their feet will land. They won't do it. Because they can't see where they're going to land, so they won't even take the risk. They don't know for sure. So that thing will live trapped, and it could easily, I mean without even any effort, flat-footed sideways, it could jump that fence. And run off, but it'll stay in captivity its whole entire life until it dies. Because it can't see where its feet will land. Their potential is amazing. But they're limited by their vision. Man, I don't want that to be said about me. His potential was amazing. But he was afraid to leap out he was afraid to jump he was afraid to go for it because he couldn't see exactly how it was going to work out or where his feet were going to land so he didn't try he never lived up to his potential he died in a three-foot fence i don't want that to be said about me i want to trust god i want to believe what he says and step out and have faith and trust Look at Luke 18, Luke 18, 26. I'm going to read you 26 and 27 in the Message Bible. Then who has any chance at all? This is where, remember Jesus told the disciples, um, like, uh, do you have any idea how hard it is to enter into God's kingdom? It's easier 
to put a camel through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into God's kingdom. Jesus had just got done telling them that. And it says, then who has any chance at all? The others asked. The disciples asked. No chance at all, Jesus said. Sorry, there's no chance. If you think you can pull it off by yourself, but every chance in the world, if you trust God to do it. They said, well, what chance do we have? How can we enter into the kingdom of God? What chance? And Jesus said, oh, there's no chance at all if you think you're going to do it by yourself. If you're relying on you and your strength and how you're going to get it done and how you're going to work it out in your mind, then you're right, there's no chance. But if you'll learn to trust, if you'll learn to have faith in God, then you can do it. He can do it through you. Jesus said, if you don't learn to trust God, then you won't enter into the kingdom. Kingdom, I'm not talking about heaven. That, that The kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Man, you can walk in the kingdom right now. While you're alive, you can have righteousness and know that you're okay with God and have real joy and peace and all the fruits of the Spirit. The kingdom is now. You don't have to wait till one day when you're in heaven to experience the kingdom of God. It's our inheritance as Christians. It's, it's ours. We can walk in that here and now and be part of the kingdom. Remember Job? He was the most righteous man alive. And all this bad stuff happened to him. And I mean, his kids died and his, he lost everything. And God pretty much told, God told the devil, yeah, go ahead. He won't ever turn his back on me. He won't curse me. Take everything from him. Attack him. Whatever, but just don't kill him. But I did find that interesting that when God turned the devil loose on him and take anything that mattered to him away, he killed all his kids and his animals and put sores all over his body and everything, but the devil didn't touch his wife. I don't know what kind of wife Job had, but <laughs> must have been pretty rough. <laughs> he didn't mess with her. <laughs> I got sidetracked. Um, Job said, though you slay me, yet will I trust you. In other words, I don't even understand what's going on in my life right now, God. It seems like you're slaying me. You're taking away everything. I'm being stripped of everything that matters to me. But though you slay me, yet will I trust you. Some of us need to find our yet praise. No matter what I'm going through, it's bad, it's ugly, I, it's hard. I, yet... I'm going to praise you. I'm going to thank you, God, no matter what's going on in my circumstances because I believe you're that big that you can work it out. I believe Romans 8, 28 that says, our God works all things together for the good of them that are called. We've got to find our yet praise. Even if I don't understand, God, I trust you. Hebrews 11.6 tells us that it is impossible to please God without... Now, if I didn't know what the Bible said and I was just thinking in my mind, I would think it's impossible to please God without purity. It's impossible to please God without maybe love would go good there or holiness... No, Hebrews eleven six tells us that it is impossible to please God without faith, without trust. It's impossible. When your faith gets weak, you stop going to God for things. And God wants us to come to Him. He wants us to run to Him. But when we stop trusting and we stop believing, hey, I'm struggling in my finances, I got to i got to figure out what I need to do next or how to pay this bill. But when I don't have faith to go to God with it, then I go to my job with it or try to find a new job or try to go get a loan or something because why? My faith isn't in God. 
Now, God could direct me to go to a new job or direct me to whatever. But I got to trust Him. I got to have faith in Him. If your faith gets low, you take matters into your own hands rather than trust God to do what He said He would do. Walking around these walls. We sang it a minute ago. I thought by now they'd fall. I mean, sometimes you think about Joshua walking around those walls and, you know, probably on about the fifth time around, he's thinking, this is not good. Nothing's happening. Walls aren't falling. I'm going to look like an idiot in front of these two million people that are silently marching behind me. Just obeying what God said. I thought by now they'd fall. It's been five times. So I'm gonna, let me run over here and get a sledgehammer and start smacking on that thing. Maybe what God meant was that when we walked around, we'd hit it with a sledge until, and it'd make it weak and then it would fall. That's, that's what I usually do is start trying to figure out, well, how can I help God? Because I feel like I'm walking in obedience, but I don't see anything happening. So let me get a look in my toolbox and see what I got that I can help God do what he said he can do because God probably needs me to make something happen. Romans ten seventeen tells us that faith comes by hearing. What are you hearing? What are you listening to every single day? Facts or faith? Because sometimes they're not the same thing. Facts will tell you what is and faith will tell you what can be. If you hear him, you hear his voice, you hear his word, it's easy to trust him. Look at this story in 2 Kings 4. 2 Kings 4, and we're going we're gonna to wrap it up here with this story. We're going to talk about the prophet Elisha and this woman. And the woman's going to represent us, and Elisha represent Jesus. Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. Her husband was a servant to the prophet Elisha, and he died. And thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord. He was a good man. And the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen, to be slaves. You see, in their day and in their culture, if you could not pay your debts, they would come and take your kids. Some of y'all said, oh, hey, let's go back to that. <laughs> all right, pay off all my debts. See ya. No, <clears throat> they would come and take your kids and make them slaves. So her husband, they, they owed all this money, and then her husband died. She had no way to pay it, no way to make the money, and they were coming to take her kids, to take her boys. Verse 2, And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me. What? I read that, and when you read verse 2, like, what? Are you kidding me? I just told you. My husband's dead. I owe a whole bunch of money. The creditors are coming to take my sons and turn them into slaves. What do you mean? What can you do for me? You could give me some money. Did I not make that clear? He said, what can I do for you? Tell me. I'm going to show you, he asked her two questions right away. These are two questions that God will ask us. That's the first one. He said, what do you want? What do you want? Ask yourself that question this morning. Let God ask you that question. What do you want in your life? 
in your ministry? What, what do you want? Pay my power bill. That's what I want. Well, what do you want? When the children of Israel were slaves um, in Egypt, and they started getting more and more powerful, and they were having more and more kids. And Pharaoh's like, man, they're getting so powerful. Like, they had them just making the bricks and helping build, like, the construction. And they were supplying them with the straw and the materials that they needed. And then Pharaoh's like, man, they're getting so powerful, and there's so many of them. Now, let's change the rules. Let's make them get their own materials. Make them grow their own straw, gather all their own materials, and still make them make the same amount of bricks for the pyramids. And the children of Israel prayed that God would give them the strength to do what Pharaoh wanted. They prayed to be better slaves rather than praying for freedom. We get stuck in a mentality where we just want to be better slaves. And God's like, what do you want? You want freedom or do you just want to do a little bit better with where you're in and stay stuck in the same place or... Think bigger. Rise up. Get out of that. God has a worldwide ministry for you. He tries to give you the call and you say, I don't even have the money to go to Atlanta, much less Africa. What do you mean, God? What do you want? First, you need a vision. What you want, where you want to go. Second thing he asked her, look what it says next. What hast thou in the house? Number two, what do you have? Take an inventory this morning. What do you have in your house? In you? In this house? You know, in this earthen vessel, we're a house, we're a pot. Temple of the living God. So in this house, take an inventory. What gifts do you have? What skills do you have? What resources do you have? What do you have in the house? Because you have what you need. God's given you what you need. It may require some faith. It may not look like enough. It may, but God says, what do you have? And she said, thine handmaid hath not anything in the house. Save a pot of oil. I got nothing but one pot of oil. I don't have anything. Yes, you do. You have everything you need. You just need the faith. You just need to trust to let go. Well, what if he requires me to give that pot of oil and that's all I got? I don't want to give that. That's all I, I ain't giving that. It's the only thing I got. Sometimes faith will require you to let go of what you have. You got to put what's in your hand back in his hand. That's part of releasing control. If you're not willing to let go of it, then you're still trying to control it and run it. Remember in Genesis 2, um, Genesis 2, 7, it's where God had been speaking creation. He created the earth. He created the plants and the animals and the trees. And in Genesis 2, 7, I believe, uh, God bends down and he uses his hand and he pulls up the dust and he forms Adam. And he breathed the breath of life into Adam, to mankind in his hands, where we started out, we were created in God's hands. But then he requires us to give our life, take our lives and put them back in his hands. That takes a little bit of trust. To trust that he can do it and, and put the control back in his hands. To you, your one pot of oil is not enough. To you, what you have is not enough to do great things and big things, but he knows how to use it. God knows how to work it. He knows how to use it, and if you'll take your life and put it back in his hands, it can be a lot more valuable. 
Romans 8.28 says that he can work all things together for our good. You know a basketball in my hand is worth about 20 bucks. If it's a pretty good basketball. But a basketball in LeBron James's hand is worth about three rings and some few championships and a few million dollars and some commercial endorsements. He knows how to use it a whole lot better than I do. He knows how to work it. It's a gift and a talent, but see that? Just putting it in the right hands. See what that gift, that talent can do, putting the basketball in his hand. You know, I can take a paintbrush and I can paint the heck out of a wall. Nice, solid wall. But if you take that same paintbrush and put it in the hands of, say, Leonardo da Vinci, he can paint a painting that'll take your breath away by putting it in the right hands. He knows how to work it. If you'll take your life and stop trying to do it yourself, Stop trying to dribble and paint yourself and put it back in the hands of the one that made it. The one that knows how to work it all together for good. The one that's smarter than you. If you can learn how to trust and have that faith to put it back in his hands, then he can do something amazing with it. But we got to learn how to trust and have the faith to turn it back over to him. That's the hard part. So here's a question for you. What do you have? Well, nothing but, nothing but oil. That's what she said. I got nothing but oil. I got nothing but a, a guitar. I got nothing but I'm good with kids. Well, I've got nothing but a little bit of money. I got nothing. What is it for you? What's your nothing but? I got nothing but time. That's good. God can use time. We can use time here at the church. See me afterwards. God can use what you have. He already knows what you have. He's not asking you the question like wondering, oh, I wonder what he's got. God already knows what you have. He's asking the question to get you to... God's not trying to find out answers by asking you questions. Well, I got nothing but oil. Put it in his hand. When God called me to preach, I knew he said to do it, but I said, God, I don't have what I need. I'm not qualified. I'm not educated. I'm not good at speaking. I get nervous when I stand up in front of people. I'm not smart enough. I'm not, I started saying all the things. I got nothing but the ability to tell stories. God said, that's enough. That's all I need. We'll work with that. I got nothing but. What's your nothing but? That's all he needs. But you got to put it in his hand. Remember Jesus fed 5,000 people with nothing but a snack from Long John Silver's. Snack pack. Fish and chips. And he fed 5,000 people with nothing but some fish and bread. A little boy's lunch. Nothing's a lot in the hands of Jesus. If we can have the faith and the trust. All right, let's finish reading this story and we'll, we'll close. Then he said, go. Go. That's action. Action word. Then he said, go. Borrow the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors. Even empty vessels. Borrow not a few. Go, he told her. Start borrowing vessels. Okay, so she's going around to all the neighbors. Hey, you got any vessels I can borrow? You got a pitcher or tea? What? Send her sons around. Let's let's go borrow some vessels for some reason. I don't know why. Bunch of empty vessels. 
and when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and shalt pour out into all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. Now she's sitting there thinking, okay, I got one pot of oil. You want me to go borrow a whole bunch of vessels. Then you want me to start pouring my one pot of oil into all those vessels that I borrowed. You said borrow, not a few. So you tell me to go borrow a lot of them. Well, you want me to split my oil up, a little bit in each one, and then any one that's full, set it aside. Maybe you didn't hear me at first. I said I got one pot of oil. Set aside all of them that are full. I can go ahead and do that right now because I don't need any more vessels because I only got one pot. It didn't really make sense. I'm telling you today you need to borrow vessels. You want to see God do something big in your life, you need to go borrow some vessels. You don't have the vessels to do all that God wants you to do. You have what you need. You have your pot of oil. We just covered all that. But you need to go borrow some other vessels. Well, well, what do you mean? What, what are vessels? What kind of vessels? I don't understand. Borrow some ideas. Borrow some thought processes from other people. Borrow the way that other people did what God's calling you to do. Borrow some other people's systems. Go to somebody that has the education that you need and get some wisdom from them. Get a business plan from them to do what God's calling you to do. The Go and borrow a vessel. The best way I can, one way I can think of it is songs. We didn't write every song that we stand up here and sing on Sunday mornings. That song today, that, that Dylan sang, that was an elevation worship song. It's a vessel for God's presence, and we went and borrowed it from them and took it and learned it, and, and we brought their vessel in here. But you know throughout Scripture, oil represents the anointing. Oil represents the gift that's inside of you and the anointing that's inside of you. So we can borrow the vessel of a song from Elevation Worship, but then Dylan had to pour his oil into that vessel. Or it would have just been a song. We might as well turn on the radio. If he didn't pour his anointing into that and make it more than a song, we can go borrow vessels, but then we have to pour our anointing into those vessels. And I can look at different preaching styles and listen to different people preach, and I can have Pastor Bruce give me different ways to come up with messages and all these different things, and I can gather all these vessels, and that's good to help me grow and to learn, but then I have to pour my oil into that vessel for God to do something big. Even if I don't think I have enough oil to fill that vessel, that's where I have to have the faith and the trust to pour it out. Well, I don't know if I can speak to that many. Like, I don't know if I can do that. Well, pour. You can borrow different vessels, but you need to use your own oil. It's the anointing. She probably had some other vessels in her house. But he said, go get some different ones. I mean, she probably had some other empty vessels sitting in her house that she could have just used. He said, no, you need to go get some different ones. Go get some different thoughts. Step back out of your little world and your little house and your woes. Step back and, and listen to some other people. Step back and go seek wisdom from other people. Go get some other vessels and then pour your oil into those vessels. Um, during camp, my mom had an idea for a skit. She thought that God gave her this idea for a skit. Um, and it was just a vessel. Like, she had the idea, but she couldn't pull it off. 
she didn't even have an idea, a good idea for a song. She couldn't, didn't feel like she could do the acting or any of that. It was just an idea that she had. So she said she thought she'd throw it out there. She said it to me, and I was busy with all camp stuff and all that. She said, I'm not, I'm just throwing it out there. I'm not telling you I know that you're busy with camp stuff, but I figure if it's God and if I throw it out there, that somebody is going to be called to pick it up and run with it. And uh, sure enough, several people were. And Journey and Rebecca heard it. And then God told them to move on it, and they poured their oil, their anointing into it. And Rebecca came up with a song and kind of directed it, and Journey became the, the one that did a lot of the acting. And then several of the other counselors got pulled into it. And then last night in the middle of our worship service, we did it, and it was this powerful thing. And uh, even a bunch of the teens were, like, crying and tearing up, and it turned out to be this powerful thing that really brought home the message of, of our camp and stuff. But... It was a vessel. She had an idea. It was taking a vessel from somebody else, but then poured, Journey poured her anointing into it. Rebecca poured her anointing into it. And it became something big, something great, something awesome. But it would have been real easy to just say, nah, that's, that's too much hassle. There's enough going on and do without it. It's okay. Don't go get another vessel. We got enough planned. And we did. We had enough planned and it didn't have to be like. But it wouldn't have been as big or as powerful as it was. We'd have lived off our one pot of oil. So yeah, she probably had some other vessels in her house. But he told her, no, go borrow some more. I've been speaking a lot seems like here lately you guys know i left i went and spoke at journey church last week um and it went really good thank you for thank you for praying that was kind of out of my comfort zone and then i've had to speak at at trace ds a couple times then tomorrow i'm back at blake house speaking and i, I spoke this will be three times in the last three days camp doing chapel services and the talk friday night and then preaching this morning and I was studying this message, and I was thinking, man, it's a, it's a lot. Like, I'm not used to coming up with that many different messages or speaking. And uh, it's pretty cool because all of those are just, it's different vessels that I've put out there. Hey, let's do camp. Hey, let's go speak to a bunch of college students. Hey, let's go speak to the guys at Blake House. Hey, let's prepare a message for church. And, like, I don't have enough oil to fill all those vessels. But every time I turn it up, it keeps on coming out. Keeps on coming out. And it filled that one, and it filled that one, and then Journey Church, and then Trestius, and then they called and asked me to do a communion, and, and it keeps on coming out. Pretty cool thing. We learn how to trust. We learn how to let go. Put it back in his hands. So, I also wanted to point out that part where he told her to shut the door. He said, all right, now you got all the vessels. You've gone out. You've talked. You've got these vessels. you got everything. Now shut the door. And pour. Shut the door and pour. For some of you, it's time to shut the door and pour. God wants to do a miracle in your life. But now that it's time to do it, you need to shut the door. You don't need everybody telling you why it ain't going to work and you need to quit. You need to have the faith for what God wants you to do. Shut the door and pour. Oh, well, I felt like God told me to, I'm good at making this little craft and that I could put it on classifieds and sell them for $5 each and that's how he was going to help me out. And then 
you start telling it to your family and all your friends and everybody, and they start telling you you're stupid and it's a waste of time and you're going to do this and that because that don't make sense, and they tell you why it doesn't make sense and why you're going to waste what little bit of money you have and why you shouldn't dump out the one little pot of oil you have into those other vessels because it's going to get oil in those vessels. You're going to have less when you get done. What if you spill it and you get rid of it? And people's opinions start coming into what God told you to do because you didn't shut the door and pour. And you end up just holding on to your little pot because you're not willing to shut the door and pour. Those last couple verses kind of finish out, last three verses finish out the story. So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured out. That's obedience. She obeyed when she heard, she heard the call. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. Give me another one. And he said unto her, There's not a vessel more. That's all of them, Mama. And the oil stayed. It stopped coming out when they ran out of vessels. It filled everyone they had faith to gather. What if they would have gathered more? Would have filled more. Could have been bigger. Could have been more powerful. Well, what if they would have had the faith or trust or belief to just go get more and more and more and more? Then this probably would have been a more incredible story, I think. Because it said the oil didn't stop pouring out until there was no more vessels. Same with us. There's an oil inside of you, an anointing, a calling, a gifting. And as long as you turn it over and you pour it out with that faith, it's going to keep coming out. But when you run out of vessels, the oil stops. Then she came and told the man of God. And he said, go, sell the oil and pay thy debt. And live thou and thy children of the rest. He filled as many as they brought. I feel like God says to us today. What you have the faith or the trust to put out. I'll give the anointing to fill it. The first pot. When I thought about that lady. He told her. Go in there and shut the door and pour. And her sons are standing over there saying, this is stupid. Mom, what are you doing? Why don't you make us go all around the neighborhood and borrow all these pots? She's like, shh, be quiet. Y'all two are about to be slaves. You need to be praying this works instead of over there making fun. I mean, they were real people. Oh, we like to read Bible stories and think they weren't, but that's probably what was going on. You sit down right now. You just broke one of the vessels. <laughs> But I imagine when she started pouring that first one, it was more obedience than faith. It was just doing what the man of God said, but kind of like, yeah, right. But, it, but since you say, God, oh my, what? It's full, and there's still oil in here. Bring me another one. Her son brings her another one. She, what in the world? Boys, look. That one's full, that one's full, and this one's full. Mama, you've been taking magic glasses? No, son. It's working. Her faith probably began to build, and she began to trust and say, hey, he did it on the first one. He did it on the second one. I bet he's going to do it again. Let's try it and see. And she tipped it again, and he filled the third one. So he did it then, he'll do it then, he'll do it again. And I bet her confidence began to build as she poured more. And we don't know how many vessels she had. We don't know how many chances there were. But we know he said not a few, so there had to be multiple. And I know that every time she poured that oil out, she believed a little bit more. She trusted a little bit more. Same for us. Every time I pour that oil out, every time I pour that anointing out and I step out in obedience, at first it was just obedience. God, this don't make sense. 
I, God, I don't even see how this is going to work out. God, I don't even feel like I have enough oil to fill that. But you said fill it, so I'm going to step out in obedience. But see, now as I, the older I get and the more I grow spiritually, just like that song said earlier, I look back and I see what he's done in the past, and that gives me more faith and more confidence that he's going to do it again because he did it in there, and he did it there, and he did it there, and he did it there. So I'm going to keep on stepping and keep on walking. That's how as we get older, we have more faith. We have more trust because we see him come through time and time and time and time again. The second one, more confidence. Third, fourth, fifth. I bet she was getting excited. I bet she was upset when they ran out. Give me another one. He said, Mama, we're out. They're all full. She, oh, man. Ah, we should have got more. God, I'm going to bring you the tithe. I'm going to bring it to you and see if you'll do a work in my finances. Or God, I'll, God, I'll give that talk at camp that they asked me to give even though I don't feel very confident. I'll, I'll obey and study, but I need you to fill it. I need you when I go to pour the oil. Give me the oil, God. I promise He will. The more you do it, the easier it gets. Doesn't matter what you're talking about. Maybe he's called you to give, and maybe he's called you to speak, and maybe he's called you to serve, and maybe it's it it's all different for all of us. We're not all called to stand up here and preach. Thank God, because that'd be one long service. <laughs> we all have different calls and gifts, but this applies to all of them. Gather vessels. And have the faith to pour. Look back at the past victories and remind yourself he's faithful. He'd make a way where there's no way. Let's pray. God, thank you. God, we're grateful to be part of your family, we're grateful to be in the house. Not a building, but in your house, in your family, part of your church, part of your body. God, thank you for giving each one of us a place. Thank you for giving us what we need. What do you have? Nothing but but what you gave us. And that's enough to succeed if we learn to place it in your hand. God, help us to trust. Help us to remember that you're faithful. And that you're awesome and that you've never let us down. God, we love you. Thanks for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.